Yeah. <laughs> what is up, y'all? My name is John Devine, and I am welcoming you back to season two of the Healthy Wealthy People podcast. The show that educates on the three most important pillars of becoming a successful individual, our health, our wealth, and our authentic expression of self. Now, before we get started, I would like to take a moment to personally thank you all for an incredible first year and ask that if the show has provided you any value, that you do yourself a favor by subscribing and your friends a favor by sharing the show with them. Now, let's get into it, y'all. Yeah, what up, y'all? It's your boy, John Devine, welcoming you back to episode 32 now of the Healthy Wealthy People podcast. For those of you who are just showing up to the show for the first time, welcome. And for my returning guests, as always, a heartfelt thank you to continuing to come back and show us some love. Now, let's get into what we're covering on today's episode. I am very excited to bring you guys today's content. We are talking to one of my very, very near and dear friends, Christopher Vandeford, all the way up from San Francisco. He is investment banker at BNP Paribas, and he's going to talk to us today about how you can go from Big Macs to Big Stacks. What does that mean? We're going to go from a McDonald's hourly wage to making a million dollars over the course of your career. So how are we going to do that? I'm going to let none other than Mr. Christopher Vandeford tell us. So Chris, say hello. John, thanks for having me on. I'm stoked to be here and I view you as family. And so thanks for taking care of me and treating me as such. Absolutely, brother. I'm stoked to get into this shit today. So what are we talking about? We are talking about how to become a millionaire. Who did I bring on the show to talk about that? An investment banker from Silicon Valley who does this every single day. And he's very, very versed in it all the way back. Let's go back in time to 2017 when Christopher was graduating from Middlebury College in Vermont with a degree in econ and political science. So tell us about that journey, bro. Why economics why political science what had you interested in that yeah absolutely um it was kind of a roundabout journey i i uh when i was in college i wanted to change the world so i wanted to figure out how the world worked so i studied political science how people made decisions and policies and then i studied economics the numbers behind it um and i also studied mandarin chinese and so i actually studied abroad in china and got to see a new way of life a new way of thinking and just got curious about how the world worked and i loved that and I wanted to be a part of how the world changed. Um, after I finished college, I went to grad school at Johns Hopkins University. I got a master's in economics um, and just reinforced that idea of economics drives a lot of the decisions we make. Whether we know it or not, economics runs the world, the way we think, the way we make decisions, the way policies are made. And so I wanted to be a part of those changes. So I actually went to the United Nations uh, to do some work there. I wanted to be a diplomat and actually worked um, with the economists at the United Nations to help countries get out of debt. So I started at a big level. So I, I wanted to help countries get out of debt. I wanted to help make them a better place. Um, and then I did some work for The Economist, helping private investors with investments overseas and writing investment advice there. And that was really exciting and really fun, um, but decided that there was more to learn in Silicon Valley. That's where things were happening. Yes, being a diplomat was great, but I wanted to be on ground zero. I wanted to see where all the excitement was happening and I wanted to learn and grow. So I went to Silicon Valley, started working in tech companies in high-risk investing, high-risk lending, um, and that's where I got to where I am today in tech investment banking. So, all right, lot to unpack there. <laughs> so you said you wanted to change the world. Of course, every 18-year-old kid wants to change the world. We don't know what that looks like, but we know we want to do it. So that's my main question. You knew you wanted to change the world, there's a lot of ways to do that. Yeah, fair. Why economics and how did you want to change the world? Yeah, fair. So I think uh, investment bankers get a bad rep. There's definitely a stereotype. They're viewed as, as greedy individuals who are not necessarily trying to change the world. Um, but I'll explain how I got there. Um, 
I saw I came from a small town in rural Ohio. I grew up with not a lot. And I realized the people with the money had the influence, they had the power, and they had the decision-making capabilities. And I wanted to learn how they got there and how they were able to do that. And I learned that not all people in those situations were bad and that using money for good and influence could actually have a big impact, especially on small communities. So that really piqued my interest. Okay. It's a similar uh, outlook to the one I had uh, growing up. But for me, I saw it as the business owners um, that were doing that. And so that's the course I wanted to take. But same thing, wanted to make change, right? Um, so economics, you wanted to go in and you wanted to help biz or countries get out of debt. Yeah, I wanted to be a diplomat. So I, I got a minor in Mandarin Chinese. I could speak Chinese and I wanted to work um, in other countries and help them make wise financial decisions. And while it was an amazing life experience and I loved the people I worked with, I realized you could make more change working with small businesses than working at the country level. And maybe there are people there are people doing amazing things, but I think for my personal skill sets and interests, I felt like I could do more good working with business owners on a smaller level. Love that. So... You learned Chinese, so you're fluent in Chinese, right? Uh, fluent's a strong word, but I negotiated my lease and got a better deal with my landlord in Chinese. So that's about the level I'm at. Okay. Pretty fluent. Enough to get by. Yeah. <laughs> enough to get deals done, stuff like that. Yeah. And you lived in China? For almost five years, yes. Okay. Is that where you were doing diplomat work? Yeah. So that's... I actually did my grad school research over in China, lived over there for two years, um, had studied abroad before, and then did, done some volunteer work there. So collectively about five years over there. Um, and then while I was there, I got an opportunity at the United Nations and so moved to Switzerland for a bit to work there. Um, but that was all around grad school time. Okay. Did you help countries get out of debt? No, I'm not, I'm not going to go as far to say as that I made a change. I got to see a lot and learn a lot and do some really great research. I figured the answer was no, that would be... Yeah, no, I fixed all the world's problems. In, uh, I can't imagine. No. no, I mean, it's complex, right? And things move slowly. Um, and so I think I had to reset my expectations. I wanted to change the world overnight, and that wasn't going to happen. And so I wanted to look where I could make the biggest impact and you can make a quick overnight impact in small communities and working with business owners. And that's where I wanted to be. What was the biggest thing you learned looking at debt from a like country level, not from a personal level? Looking at debt at a country level, honestly, it's very similar to a personal level. Most countries and most people take out debt at an unsustainable rate. It's the same. I think countries' finances often look like people's finances, and it's kind of scary. Interesting. And it's easier to help one person change than an entire country. So yeah. if you can help a few people change, those people can help the country change. Absolutely. And that's my approach. And I'm so glad we have other people tackling the big issues. For sure. But I'm going to do my part on the ground level. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Uh, so a lot of experience in debt, really. Yeah. Right? Debt, how to get in it, how to get out of it, and how to manage it. And even in economics, like, what's the base that you learn in college for economics? Is it debt? It no, can't be. Economics is more theories. It's more supply and demand. And in, in grad school, I guess the economics I studied was more international economics. So I studied specifically how international trade was affecting income inequality. So when two countries traded with each other, how did that affect the wealth in a country? And how did that affect the gap between the, the poorest and the richest in those countries? So it's a lot of theory. A lot of theory. And then using data to see if your theories are right basic science. Okay. And so supply and demand is the basic underlying of economics. That's economics 101. Yeah. So that's sure. the same thing that we learn and teach in business and just let's call it streets business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just basic supply and demand. Right. And so college is teaching that. So then you went from supply and demand to debt. And you've been in debt for not in debt. You've been in the debt world for 
No, let's be honest. I went to school for a long time. I've been in debt for a long time too, so I know how it works. <laughs> but you're not, not anymore. But, yeah, uh, see, yeah. see, you know how to get in and get out. I know how to get in. I know how to get out. Yes, and that's what we're here to talk about, right? Yes, and I'd love to share some simple tricks so other people can do the same. Yes. So, we had some lessons from college, from uh, traveling abroad, and doing uh, economics for countries. Um, and then as a writer, uh, for the Economist, uh, we kind of went over that. Those of you who don't know, the Economist is a magazine, right? Yeah. It's a subscription for, um, what's going on in the world, current events. And I was helping write investor reports for people who wanted to invest in China. So helping them identify which, which industries were a good investment, which towns and areas were a good investment and just really analyzing growth and um, potential investment opportunities in China. I love it. So really what I'm getting at here, people is get your pens and your papers out, get ready to take some notes. Cause I didn't, as usual, bring you some has been, okay. This dude's been all over the world doing this with the UN doing this in different countries, Switzerland, China. He's been writing on it with a journaling company, uh, that, releases magazines to the public on the trade between countries. Like this dude's been looking at numbers for the last decade. decade. Yeah. Decade. Like got out of high school and really just started looking at numbers and how the world works. So very, very, very experienced guy here to talk to you today. Um, and we sat on the couch for like two hours last night and just ran numbers and then re-ran numbers and then ran them again with growth analytics and run, ran them again against this metric and that metric. Like we did a lot of math last night. We did. And I think this conversation has been in the works for a while. I think I got fired up. I was so pissed off and why some of this information was not as accessible as it is. And I'm like, John, everyone needs to know this. <laughs> yeah. Everyone needs to know this. And so I think we sat down and figured out how to put pen to paper and make this information more accessible. Yes. So when we say Big Macs to Big Stacks, how to go from McDonald's to millionaire, this isn't like something that we're just using as clickbait to get you to listen to the podcast. We did the math. The math is backed by a decade of information and research, two hours of sitting down, running the math over and over and over again, questioning each other. Are we sure that's right? Let's run it again. Let's run it again at this hourly wage. Let's run it again at this hourly wage. Like, we didn't just be like, oh, this would be cool to talk about. So, No, and to clarify, big max to big stacks, the idea was, I believe anyone can be a millionaire. Anyone. I agree. Regardless of your income level. And so what we did with the numbers was show that even if you worked at McDonald's your entire life and followed some simple and sound savings and investment principles, you could reach a million dollars in your lifetime. And that's what we want to share is how anybody can do it. So there's no excuses that anyone, any background, you're flipping burgers, you can still make it in your lifetime. Yeah. And just to touch on one of these numbers really quick. Uh, so... If you are working at McDonald's, one of the numbers that we ran uh, was if you were making the average income in America today and your average income from today didn't move for the next 50 years and you spent an entire back-breaking career flipping burgers at McDonald's on income alone, okay, we're not going to get into any of the other math numbers yet. I'm going to let Chris do most of that. But on income alone, 58000 a year for 50 years is $2.9 million. It's a $3 million income, that alone. So the thing that frustrates me most, and we've talked about this in other episodes, is most of you guys neglect your income at whatever level it is. From minimum wage all the way up, you're mindlessly spending a little extra money at the gas station every time you stop. You're mindlessly going, yeah, I can rent that movie on Amazon Prime that's $12 like we just did last night watching the Barbie movie, right? Like, you're not paying attention to the fact that just on your income alone, you're going to make almost $3 million. Now, we've done the math on taking out all your bills and everything. We get it. You got to pay for life. But there's still extra money on the table, and that's what Chris is going to teach you how to work with. Uh, so... 
let's jump into it. Uh, where do you want to start, sir? I've got some numbers here that we ran, but I don't really know how you want to tee this thing off. You might have something prepared in your mind that you want to connect with people on, so I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I think two things. One, I think I have to make a disclaimer. I'm not a licensed fiduciary. And what that means is I, this is not investment advice to tell you to go out and do specific things. This is my opinion. This is my experience. And if you glean something from it, that's fantastic. Um, I am a licensed investment banker, but I'm not licensed to tell you which stocks to pick or anything like that. Um, but two, I, this is a message of hope. I think anyone with the right amount of knowledge and a little bit of discipline can make it in life. Anybody. And so that's what I, that's what I want the takeaway to be is I want someone to be able to walk away with just one simple principle that they can apply in their life to make themselves more financially stable. Love it. Uh, and as you guys know, if you've been here for the last 31 episodes, that's the premise of this podcast, right? Uh, on many of the things I've talked about, I've said, look, this is not something that I'm telling you I'm a licensed nutritionist on. This is me telling you what's worked for me over the last decade and what I know to be true for myself. Just giving you advice like I would give to Chris sitting across from me on nutrition, just like this conversation came up a year ago when I was in San Francisco at his house and he was like, yeah, I can make anyone a millionaire. And I was like, pause. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> He's like, yeah, man, it's a pretty simple formula, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, we got to talk. We got to get you on the podcast at some point. Cause it was just something one friend was trying to lend to another friend on like, yeah, bro, I think anyone can do this. So I was like, we got to get you on the mic. So thank you almost a year later. Absolutely. For making the journey out. Absolutely. Anything <laughs> for you, my mind. <laughs> all right, guys. So we did a little bit of math. Number one, I'm going to tell you guys like just a couple of like differences over time because the one thing that I know as a martial arts coach, as a sales coach, as a personal trainer and nutrition coach was almost everyone is going to immediately disqualify themselves. Oh, not for me. Oh, well, I don't make that much money. I don't make 58,000 a year. If you're saying that's the average income that we've prepared for all of those. Okay. We want to speak to absolutely everybody on the call from the people who are call <laughs> podcast for people who from people who are already millionaires who want to make more money down to minimum wage workers. So a little bit of numbers for you. Minimum wage in 1964 was a dollar 15 an hour. Crazy, crazy yeah. perspective. Yeah. A dollar 15 an hour. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't know what minimum wage was when we got on to start doing this last night. I didn't know. And I kind of feel bad about that. It's just, I haven't really worked a job almost my whole life. It was the military. Um, so I didn't know, but 725 an hour still. It's the federal minimum 725. Yes. In our country. So if you're making 725, number one, I feel for you really do. I've been broke most of my life. Okay. Um, that's a rough spot to be in. I also know from a conversation with Chris that most people in today's market, no one's going to be able to actually pay 725 an hour because the market is competitive right now. And the average wage is $29 an hour. So most people aren't on bare minimum wage, even lowest level Idaho, what you looked up was making what per hour? Yeah. So I think to clarify that the average US salary is around 50,000 a year. And if you break that down, that's in the $20 an hour range, but minimum wage in Idaho to work at McDonald's is about $11 an hour is what we were able to find. So yeah, you're looking at $11 an hour, 10, $11 an hour for an hourly worker to in the $20 range for a salaried individual in the US. But that's, those are the averages we're looking at here. Yep. And that's, the numbers that we ran was kind of that like low average. Um, and so if 725 is what you're making, like said in previous episodes uh, of the Healthy Wealthy People podcast, you've got some other things you need to get lined out before we start worrying about this. And my first thing would be go get a job at 11 or $12 an hour because they're out there right now. Um, so for everyone in that 11 to $12 an hour range, Chris, what is the number one thing that we are fighting against every year, especially in 2023 with our earned dollar? 
inflation's rough. I think we're all feeling it. You feel it at the gas pump, you feel it at the grocery store. And so even if you try to save your money and you put a little bit in a savings account, inflation is going up so fast that it's eating away at your savings. So how do we overcome that? I mean, and, and the stock market's confusing and complex and it, it's, it's a scary, it's a scary beast and most people lose money. So what's a safe way to just save your money and not fall behind inflation? And so that's what I wanted to pick out today is I've got two principles. One, how much of your money you can save and two, where you can save it to beat inflation. And those two things, if you do consistently over a lifetime, can get you to that million dollar mark. You don't have to take risky bets. You don't have to do crazy things. You don't even need an education. It's just two very simple principles to get you there. So you're saying it's safe, not sexy. It's not sexy. I think, <laughs> but true wealth is not made overnight. It's not sexy. It's consistent, steady principles. Just like you don't become a bodybuilder overnight. Yep. It takes consistent application of exercise and nutrition over time to get there. Wealth is the exact same and the same principle applies. Yeah, guys. And if you want those principles, you can go way back to the beginning of the show. Um, Wealthy People, I think, is episode number three, um, where I give the you know five basic principle discipline building blocks of getting through to a stage where you can actually build wealth, like setting a budget, paying off your dumb debt, things like that, because that is going to get you more in a position where you can leverage more of your income because you're not giving it to credit cards and other things like that. Right. So you can go back and listen to one of those previous episodes. But since we use 1964 as the minimum wage of $1.15 an hour since 1964, do you remember what we figured out how much inflation has gone up since 1964? Oh, it's a ton, like hundreds of percentages, 881%. That's rough. So that means from if you went grocery shopping in 1964 versus today, your grocery bill is 800% times higher. Yeah. So we did groceries like 50 years from now. If they're another 800% higher. And it was like two grand to stop at the grocery store. And it's pretty absurd. So yeah, if you want to keep up with that, you definitely need to, to play the game. Yeah. And that's why personally, this is not the point of this podcast, but personally I got into business because I see inflation rates and then I see what the average worker is getting uh, paid in an increase per year. Guys, we did the math on that too. The increase of minimum wage over the last 59 years since 1964 is 10 cents a year. Yet inflation is up 881% in that same time period. So you are you're drowning. You're either barely keeping right with it or you're falling behind. Right. And so for me in business, I knew I could with enough effort grow a business faster than inflation was moving. Um, and it would be harder in the beginning, but just like saving and investing, it's going to be harder in the beginning, but then you'll look back and what we're going to call the compound interest of working or the compound interest of investing, which Chris blew my fucking mind with last <laughs> night, by the way. Holy shit. We're going to get into that number in a minute, but I made him redo that number like six times. I was like, dude, no, no, don't lie to me. There's no fucking way that's the number. Uh, so minimum wage increase is 10 cents a year. The average income increase is 45 cents a year, right? And again, inflation is up 881%. So if you're not going to be able to do it and fight it on your income, and you're not willing to go start a business to try and outpace it, there's really only one thing you can do, and that's take whatever available money you have and invest it, right? Fair. But then where do you invest it? Exactly. And you've learned some lessons in investing, as have I. Like, you tried the stock market for a while, right? Yeah, I've, I've lost quite a bit. I got burned. Yeah. As I, you told me, most people do. And most people do, yes. So if you guys have been burned in the stock market, what I don't want you to do is go, investing is a scam, right? No, you just got burned on an investment. I've been burned on investments. I've been burned on new hires. I've been burnt like business and invest it. Like 
it's a hot stove, man. You are gonna get burned. But I've, let, let, we, I'm glad we can find some ways where you, we can eliminate that danger. And that's what we're trying to do here is go, you have learned some hard lessons in finance and investing. I have learned some hard lessons. You've taught me, hey, don't make this mistake. Do this instead. And we're just trying to do the same thing to you guys is go, go play whatever risky investment you want. But we know they're risky. Here's a safe one. Yeah. Um, so on some of this math, this is where I'm going to have you kind of take over. So we aren't running it at minimum wage, 725. We were running it at average hourly wage, which is 29. Okay. So at a $29 an hour average wage, uh, and then increasing wage over time, keeping up, or did we run it at yeah, no, honestly, 29 an hour will get you to the million dollar mark, but let's just say you make what's 29 an hour, what's that an annual in, in annual salary? That's the 58,000 a year. 58,000. So that's the average yep. average American household income. Yep. Um so let's just say your your income doesn't change. There's yep. maybe an infl- in a, a minor inflation inflation adjustment of the 10 cents a year, yep. but your wage doesn't change over your lifetime. Let's just say that. And that's what we're running with on here. So just take them through some of the math that we did last night on. We take the taxes out. We take this out. We take that out. You're left with X. Like just run people through so that they can see he's not, he knows what we all have to do with our money. Yeah. And I'm happy to go more in depth with people as needed, but I think we'll keep it at a high level for now. At a high level for now, let's just say you take 10% of your income. So every time you get a paycheck, and I know there's a lot of taxes that come out of your paycheck. So I'm talking your net income. So after Medicare, after Social Security, after taxes, whatever's left, if the average American household takes 10% of that and puts that in a savings account known as a CD or a certificate of deposit, you do that over the course of your life, you will have a million dollars by retirement. Simply said. So... The net income that he's talking about on that, guys, is $46,400 after the taxes come out, okay? Uh, We figured um, an adjusted rate um, on that. So uh, with the net, um, you're looking at about $3,700 a year at 10% of that net income that you can take and put into these CDs. Now... What is a CD? What does a bank account typically earn? Like if they're just sitting in their checking account right now, what is their tech check account checking account typically earning an interest? Well, it changes bank by bank. Um, but historically, and over the course of our adult lifetime, it's been nearly nothing, less than a percentage point. So you guys are in mortgages. You guys are in car loans. You guys are in all kinds of things where you're paying 3 to 12 or 15% interest to them. Meanwhile, your money is sitting somewhere making less than 1%. Yes. What Chris is talking about is literally moving your money from where it's sitting right now into an area where it's going to sit somewhere else, but you're now going to earn somewhere between 4 and 5%. So we get caught and we get buried stuck under this avalanche because our money is only earning a half a percent yet we're in credit cards that are 15%. We're in homes that are now 8%. I luckily signed for mine at four and a half. We're in well done, my friend. (laughs) Thank you. We're in cars that are three to 10% guys. My car, my first car that I bought on a loan two years ago, I didn't know. I'd never bought a car on a loan before. I was buying a car because I was trying to build credit to buy the home, just doing what I was trying to do to build credit. I have to borrow money from people to prove I can own it. A year later, I like go to the bank to see what it would be to pay it off. And they were like, bro, you don't even really need to pay it off. We could just refinance this thing down to a 2.99. You're at a 10.9. I was in a car loan at 11%. That's crazy. I refied down to a three and then a year later I paid it off, but you saved yourself so much money, right? Because we're caught paying interest yet. We're earning zero interest on anything. 
all he's trying to help with here is you can earn interest like the banks do by putting money probably where the banks do. Precisely. So let me explain. A CD stands for Certificate of Deposit. Anyone can open this up. You can download an app. You can go online. Every bank out there has CDs. The catch is you have to keep your money in for a certain amount of time. But right now, most banks, if you do a 12-month CD, which means you're willing to not pull your money out of the savings account for 12 months, they'll give you 5 to 5.5% interest on that. For a year. For a year. So when you open a CD, is it like a bank account where I can, you said 12 months, so that means I can't or shouldn't pull the money out for 12 months? You could. You would get penalized on that 5%, so you wouldn't get the full 5% if you pull it out early. But if you keep it in for the 12 months, you get that 5%. Okay. And then when it's open for that 12-month period, is it like a bank account where I can dump money into that CD? Right. So they are different. It's You have to open up a new CD every time you put in new money because the rates are constantly changing. So every month, I set up a new CD and put new money into a new CD. But it's all under one app for a bank, and I can track it very easily. Okay. Um, so you're putting money every time you get paid or once a month or however you're doing it mm -hmm. just straight into a new CD and opening that CD up. So even people who only have, you can just open up a CD for 20 bucks. Yeah. Uh, most of them have no minimums and no fees. So I use, you can use anyone you want. Just go online and Google best CDs and it'll pull up a list of all the banks around you and the rates, but they're going for five to five and a half percent right now. Yeah, and I will put a link in the show notes for you guys uh, that will take you either to one site that has some or just a, a general site that has a bunch of the information. Um, so check the show notes uh, for where to find uh, CDs. <clears throat> so with these CDs, you said 12 month. What is the shortest period of time you can open a CD for? Three months in most places. Okay. What's the longest period of time? Usually up to five years. So is there a significant benefit to keeping one in for three months or five years versus 12 months? Like, Depends on your situation. I like, I like to go for the one with the highest rate. So the 12-month ones are great right now. Okay. Um, and the reason why this is such a good investment is because of inflation. So CD rates usually follow inflation. And so right now there's high inflation, so the CD rates are better. And over our adult lifetime, interest rates and inflation has been low, so CDs haven't been as good. But historically, CDs have always been a really wise investment. Over The, the average over our lifetime has been around the 5% mark, if not more. Okay. But in the recent years, in a, great, in a great stock market, CDs have not been a very good choice. Interesting. But now they're coming... CDs are making a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> They're having their glamour moment. They're having a glamour moment. Good, man. If people can just move their money and make money, uh, that's great. And so now if you're putting money into a CD and you're putting uh, at the average income um, after taxes, what we figured was uh, $280 a month. If you can put $280 a month, and again, Guys, if you can put $28 a month, that 28 earning 5% is better than that 28 earning half a percent, right? So the point is put it in, put it in consistently because you're not going to be earning 28 or you're not only going to have 28 for your whole life. And we did the math assuming that you would earn the 28 for your whole life. So if you're earning where you can have an additional $280 that you're spending on stupid shit right now, which you know you are, you're using your money to buy shit that you don't even like, or to buy shit you don't need to impress people you don't even like. So you're taking money that you do have, hopefully, because if you're doing it on credit, that's your problem, okay? To buy shit you don't need to impress people you don't like. So that's problem number one. But if you have that additional $280 a month, and you're looking for where to put it, you put it into these CDs, you hold those CDs. The math that I think we ran on this is that the total net that you would put into this of your own money is about $180,000 over the course of 50 years. 
Okay, so 10% of your income, you're going to net income, you're going to take $180,000, put it in these CDs, that's going to be your savings account for 50 years. Now, that could be like 190000 if it was sitting in a bank account, or compound interest blew my fucking mind. <laughs> so you need to explain how the hell that works. Because we turned 180,000 into three quarters of a million by moving it. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so, so it's a lot of information. I want to simplify it as much as possible. The idea of earning 5% a year in this, it's a, it's a snowball effect, right? So this year you earned 5%, but next year the 5% you earned also earns 5%. And then the following year, that 5% on the 5% that you earned, that also earns 5%. So it's this snowballing effect. So over the course of a lifetime, 5% a year on 10% of your income will get you to three quarters of a million to a million dollars over the course of your life, just because of that compounding interest over time. And again, three quarters of a million doesn't account for uh, you making more money as time goes on. It doesn't account for any variation, meaning the CD is potentially earning more money than that. It, it, like That's just nothing changes for 50 years, which is impossible. We just told you how much shit has changed in the last 50 years, right? So that number is 100% going to break a million, but to promise you if nothing changed three quarters of a million dollars out of your 180, how many times would you make that gamble if you knew that was going to be the outcome? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to make any promises. There are definitely changes, but historical data has shown us that, yes, the average American, if they save 10% of their income over their lifetime, they will have very close to a million dollars just in savings alone through CDs. Now, that's the average American. And so the, what that comes out to is that's 10% of your income or $10 a day, roughly, if you're, mm -hmm. if you're make, making this simple. Mm -hmm. So the average American, if you put $10 a day away into CDs or 10% of your income, you'll have very close to a million dollars just in your savings. That doesn't account for 401k. That doesn't account for pensions, Social Security, anything else like that. You're just going to have right around a million bucks in a savings account. Now, that's the average. Now, for the McDonald's worker who makes $11 an hour, which is roughly what they're getting paid in this area, let's say you make $11 an hour for the rest of your life and never get promoted, and you put 10% of your income or $5 a day, the cost of a coffee, you can clear half a million over the course of your career. So by the time you retire, you can have anywhere from half a million to a million based off of just a simple 5 to $10 a day. And we're talking about storing money guys we're lit you're all it's already sitting in your bank account it's already sitting there right like this is what i talk to people in my insurance business about every single day people don't want to quote unquote buy my insurance but right now their money is sitting in an account all i'm doing is shifting their money to an account backed by insurance so that if something happens it funnels money into that account the account runs with this company. So if you have an account with this company, you have free flow cash if you need it. He's saying the same thing. If you just move your money out of this bank account to a different storage location, now it earns 5%. So this isn't some hack. It's not some trick. It's not something that like, it's literally just a place to store your money that no one's told you, hey, by the way, you should store your money here instead of here. For some reason, we've all been told store your money in a fucking checking account or a savings account. No, the CD, the CD is a game changer and based on historic averages, <clears throat> any American can make money off of this. So that like, this is the hacks that this podcast is made for guys. Something is, I'm not telling you guys that you need to change your life. I'm not telling you that you need to make some big dramatic valiant thing. Wake up at 5am every single morning and let, I'm telling you where to store your money. Yeah. And let's say, <clears throat> let's say 10% is too steep. I understand that. I've been at times in my life where I've had a lot of student debt and 10% was maybe too steep. Put 5% of your paycheck into a CD, put two and a half percent over the course of your lifetime. You will, you'll change your life financially. If you just take a small percentage of each paycheck and put it into a CD. So consistency and discipline is going to be the key here. If you put 40 bucks in a CD one time, it's not going to work. I mean, 
you'll still get 5% a year. That's right. great. But it's the consistency over time that builds up. It's like doing dumbbell curls once. You got to do them every day. You're not going to look like Arnold, right? And where, you know, Chris kind of disclaimered himself and was like, I'm not promising anything. <laughs> Guys, I'm not promising that if you brush your teeth every day, you're not going to get a cavity. <laughs> I'm not promising that bad shit's not going to happen. But I am promising that if you brush your teeth every day, you got a pretty good fucking shot of your teeth being white and healthy. Yeah. Right? This gives, some... It gives people a fighting chance to keep up or stay ahead of inflation. Yeah. Because so, if it's raising it fucking 800% and your money's growing at a half a percent, you're not going to keep up. Yeah, precisely. So essentially, the CD is a way to beat inflation, to stay on top of it, and it's just a safe alternative to a savings account. Now... The safety of a CD is like the safety of my insurance. It's that for an extended period of time, you're not touching it, right? So he said you can take it out and you won't get the 5%. I don't know. Would you would you get 1%? To, it, it totally depends on the bank. You'll get penalized if you pull it out early. So you yep. definitely want it to be money that you don't need now. But you do three months, six months, a year, whatever meets your needs. Yep. Yeah. So earn a little bit of that money, get it back. Same thing with us. Put that money aside, you'll get it back, or an income's going to come in. So you need to be able to put it away, and that's where it's going to grow, right? Like if you plant a strawberry and pick the first leaf that comes off, you're like, you're never going to have a strawberry, right? you got to let it grow. you got to leave it alone. But let's say you're averse to that. Let's say you're like, there's no fucking way, John. I'm not putting my money away for a time and not being able to touch it. And if they're going to penalize me, why wouldn't I just keep it somewhere where I could access it without a penalty? Great. I learned another trick. There's these high interest savings accounts that you can open that also pay 5%. <laughs> yes. So because of inflation, while inflation is, is bad on one hand, it's opened up a lot of opportunities. So one, the CD rates are fantastic. I encourage everyone to look into it and study it for yourself. And like I said, John and I are not affiliates. There's no, no, there's no bonus. There's no links. We don't get anything from this. This is purely information. And we encourage you to do just Google search CD rates and find out one near you and look into it. It's amazing. Um, but as a result, there are also high yield savings accounts. I have a savings account that gives me four and a half percent interest per year just by keeping my money in it. And I can take it out whenever I want. And so really the crazy thing is, is banks are always competing with each other to get your money. So some banks will pay you more money for your savings. That's what the interest rate is. So constantly, I constantly look at this all the time is which bank is paying me the most for my savings and the most for my CDs. And I'm constantly moving my money to the bank that's willing to pay me the most. And this takes us right back to the beginning of the conversation, basic economics of supply and demand. Precisely. Some banks need more money than others, and so they're willing to pay you more money for your money. So you have to think of the interest rate on your savings account as a bank paying you for your money. And so go to the highest bidder. Go to the bank that's willing to pay you the most. Yeah, which is awesome. And then supply and demand. So a lot of people um, think like, okay, well then this doesn't make any sense. Why the hell is the bank paying me money for my... And immediately you got the people that think like, this is a scam. No one's paying you 5% of your money. Why would a bank pay you 5% of your money for everybody who's saying that right now? Well, I don't know if anyone's shopped for homes lately, but if you've looked at the mortgage rates or the car loan rates, you're paying almost 11% on your auto loan. Yeah. So if the bank pays somebody 5% to get their money and then they loan it out to somebody else at 11%, they're making money. They're making the five or six percent difference exactly right so they're still up and it's a win-win i get to fractionalize your money loan it out at a high rate yep make percentages on that and i'm not only making 11 percent on one car i'm making 11 percent on probably nine cars and giving you five percent so i'm way fucking up exactly and that's what that's the business of banks when you give money to banks you are helping them you're supporting their business yeah. And so make sure they're paying you well for it. Yeah. So you can go CD, lock it away, which is better for you because it's going to have time to grow, um, gain interest, and then you can you know earn interest on the interest. So what, you pull 5% out after 12 years, you pull the whole chunk out, and then you just dump that whole chunk into a new CD? 
so yeah, right now, every month I put money into, I've been doing 12 month CDs and let's say 12 months from now when that CD is up, I get my money plus my 5% and then I roll it into another 12 month CD or another five year CD. I just keep rolling them over every time they expire. So do you personally roll a hundred percent into the next one or do you like keep the interest and now that's house money and you put the principal back in how do you run it what's the secret keep it all in that's great i mean obviously if you roll it all over you make more but think about this i think there are certain milestones that you can look forward to i think we often think i think it's a depressing way to look at life where it's like i start working and then my next life milestone is retirement yep there's a lot of fun milestones in between. And so while we're talking about making a million dollars over a lifetime or making half a million dollars working a minimum wage job. Enjoy it. Yeah. So let's say, okay, for every, for every $10,000 you have in a CD, you're making 500 bucks a year. That's awesome. For every hundred thousand, you've got 5,000. So let's say you spend years and years of discipline building this up and you get to a hundred thousand dollars in CDs. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes discipline. But on $100,000, you're making $5,000 a year in passive income and just interest. You've got free vacations for the rest of your life because you now have $5,000 every year for the rest of your life coming from your savings account. Now, yes, that takes time. But I'm talking on the way to retirement, there are some awesome milestones where your lifestyle starts to get paid for. Yeah, because right now you're not going to have the 100000 let alone the 5000 for play. Cause it's just not, you're not earning anything on it. Right. So we've got certificates of deposits. We've got high interest savings accounts where you can just put your money there. And instead of putting it where you currently have it, making half a percent and you can make 5% where you can take it out wherever, whenever you want. So in the meantime, if you can't put money away where you can't touch it, at least put it somewhere where it's going to give you more back. So when you go to take money out next time, Maybe there's a dollar more in there. And it's helpful. And, and to put it in perspective, I, I'm pretty sure the stock market returned on average negative 9% this last year. So if you had money in the stock market, you're, you're likely down. You've likely lost money. And so I'd rather consistently make money every single year as opposed to the volatility of a great year, bad year, great year, bad year. You have to have a mix. And so I'm a big fan of consistent little earnings year over year for the rest of my life which is why you're on this podcast, not the Get Rich Quick podcast. No, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then the last thing that we've been like talking about recently, and I've talked about this on the podcasts. Um, you guys know uh, I talked about this in um, the episode about preparing for your first home loan with my uh, loan officer, where to this day, guys, I don't have a credit card. Like, you know my story. If you've listened, you know how I grew up. You knew, you know about me getting my home foreclosed on me. You know my mom bouncing checks and, uh, you know, spending money on credit cards that she didn't have and dodging bills and stuff. Like, to me, my life motto has been, if you don't have the money, you don't have the fucking money. Period. Like, that's where it ends. Not you don't have the money. But, hey, I know this guy. <laughs> Like, we're not back in the 1950s with the Italian loan sharks. Like, I'm not playing that game. And so I did have to get a car loan. I did end up getting a little prepaid credit card for a couple of years to help me build credit to buy my home. But once I bought my home, I got rid of the little prepaid credit card because there's literally no benefit to it other than building credit. Right. So I got rid of that. And now I'm sitting here with my checking account. My savings account, my insurances, stuff like that, some other investments that I do. Um, but I don't have CDs, right? So, again, something I learned that I'm going to implement that I'm bringing to you guys. And I still don't have credit cards. But what Christopher has taught me is you don't use the credit card the way they pitch you to use the credit card, which is spend money you don't have and pay it back later. Buy now, pay later. It's spend money you do have. And you use this beautiful analogy of I'll let you say it. Yeah. So I, I think adding on to the theme of the CDs, what I'm trying to show is that you take a small percentage of your income and then you use savings, CDs, credit cards. I'm trying to get you just a few percentage points extra. So my tips today, I want to increase your salary by a couple percentage points a year. I want to increase your savings by a couple percentage points a year and just help you. And those couple percentage points over a lifetime are going to make a world of difference. So yeah. That's, that's what we're talking about. And I think the credit cards fit into that nicely. Um, the way I use a credit card is 
I add it as just a layer to my debit card. So if I go buy groceries, I swipe my credit card and then I hop on my app and I immediately tra- I pay it off from my checking account. So it's I treat it like a debit card. It's just an extra layer that goes onto my debit card, but I make an extra two to three percent in cash back on that every year. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Yes. So you're thinking you're making your extra few percentage on the CDs, the extra few percentage point on your savings. And like, let's say we go back to the argument that someone's like, oh, I can't put $5 away, $5 a day into a a CD or a a savings account. Well, if we get you a credit card and we make a couple percentage points back on everything you make, then you just put that into the CD. I invest. So I take all my cash back to my credit cards and I invest it. So it's for me, it's free money that I get to invest for free and then make more free money on. Sheesh. Boy, I hope you guys are taking notes on what he just said. God damn. He's using other people's money to Okay. That hack is like, hey government, if you're listening, fuck off for a minute. Uh, <laughs> that hack is like this hack. So the government pays me tax free disability money uh-huh. every month for my military service. Well deserved, by the way. Thank you. And when I needed it, it was great. But now I don't need it anymore. And the business is at X point. So I have to pay taxes now. And my write-offs don't outweigh my income anymore. So now I pay Uncle Sam every year. But I have a tax account. He pays me tax-free disability money. I auto-deposit it right into that tax account. And then at the end of the year, if I owe taxes, I give him his tax money back. So it never actually (laughs) comes through me. (laughs) I'm just like, I'll hold your money for a minute. You're going to want it back in about 12 months. (laughs) Well played. Well played. But there's lots of ways to be creative with with that. Yeah. Yeah. You got to look at ways to make money. So by what you just said, where my mind went is when we were talking last night, if we say you spend like 60% of your income on life. Yeah. Right. And if you're spending more than that, I 100% promise it's not the market. It's not any of this. Like you're not shopping properly. You're just buying things when they first come up because there are deals out there for everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if we have a $46,000 net income and we take 60% of that, Actually, we'll take 46 and 40% because that's what you're going to be left with. Yeah, it's your take-home net. So if you have – no, that's the number that I actually wanted, 46,000 times 0.6. So you're spending 27600 a year. So hack number one was keep your money in a 5% savings account slash CD. Right. You're earning 5% there by just saving it. Right. Then if you take the 27600 a year that you're already spending on your life mm-hmm. out of your debit account, like fucking I am. Yep. I'm calling myself out right now, guys. All my money goes through a debit card. So if you're spending that money out of your debit card, you're not getting any benefit. But if you put the layer, as you explain it, of the credit card with good perks, benefits, cashback, rewards, all that, between your debit uh, debit card and your purchase. Now you've got twenty seven thousand six hundred dollars in just bills. What's two percent of that? So you get two percent cash back. So then we're gonna get two percent of that. You're making an extra five hundred and fifty two dollars a year. That's awesome. Now if you put the five fifty two in, you're gonna make an additional twenty seven dollars at five percent on that. Right. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. You could you could add that extra five hundred dollars to your CDs. You could use it for bills. You could use it for anything you right. like. But or even just the savings account. Yeah. That earns five percent. So right there, by simply paying with a credit card and spending money you do have, not money you don't have. Precisely. And then keeping that money and the uh, cashback rewards in a five percent savings account, you've earned yourself an extra five hundred eighty, five hundred ninety dollars. By not changing anything about how much you make, by what you're spending your money on, nothing. You're just not saving 10%, literally taking the money you already earn, putting it in the 5% savings account or CD, and then putting a layer of a credit card with a 2% reward in between you and your bills. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Now I kind of want to do the math on what $500 a year at the 5% compounding interest over your lifetime would be. Well, if you can give me the 
math on it, or you can just do it yourself. Actually, can I pull? Yeah. I, I don't have a Jamie like Joe Rogan, so we got to do all of our own We're numbers. We're going to do it right now. I want to find out. So let's say, yeah, let's just say- 590 a year. Let's say someone listens to podcasts and like, screw these guys. I'm not going to put 5 to 5% of my paycheck, 10% of my paycheck. I just don't have that. And I get it. Like Times can be tight. But let's say you use the credit card and you use the free money and put that into a CD over your lifetime. At <laughs> 590 a year. So let's do, I've got a compounding interest calculator. It's free online. You can pull that up. 590. I'll drop it in the link. So 590 a year of free money. And you do that every year. And you put that free money into a CD. For the same 50-year time. For over 50 years. That's $130,000 right there. In free money. In free money over your lifetime. Guys, Jesus, fuck. Guys, seriously, pay attention. Go back, re-listen to this episode, write some shit down. What we just said has nothing to do with investing. It has to do with putting your money in a high-yield savings account instead of a fuck-off savings account (laughs) (laughs) and and getting a credit card to layer between you and your bills so that you have an extra $130,000 of free money over your lifetime. Yes. These are simple things. And we're using minimum wage income and the average U.S. income for these numbers. So if you make above average, these numbers are way higher for you. So then what we need to talk about, which is the same thing everyone's going to be asking, and I need to learn this, is like what I know you have, like, guys, zero debt. I have, we, no, I have no debt. I have no car debt, no student loan debt, no credit card debt. I have zero debt to my name. After we, after having working at a bank, it's like when you work at the sausage factory and you don't want to eat sausage anymore. <laughs> after having worked at a bank, I don't want debt anymore ever again. So I'm very, I don't like debt, but I like using the products in my favor. So zero debt. Zero debt. How many credit cards do you own? Uh, probably a dozen. A dozen credit cards. I've probably got access to nearly $100,000 in credit and I have like a dozen credit cards, but I have a zero balance on all of them. And how many like perks, benefits, income would you say you pull out of those on a yearly basis? I get thousands of dollars in free perks on my credit cards every year. Thousands. Yeah. So where I think I'm being Mr. Smart Guy and not borrowing money, I just wasn't taught how to borrow money the right way. And I'm frugal as shit, guys. You know I like free stuff. You know I like getting other people to pay for stuff. You know I like taking sponsors and shit like that. Like I'm a businessman. I literally had no idea there was just thousands and thousands and thousands of look nothing's <laughs> free but if no this is free you can find it you can find it it the so i'm going to say it is free okay. but it takes discipline that's the problem so that's what the they're price. what they're preying on is it's like a coke dealer giving you a bump <laughs> So that for free, and you're like, why is this guy giving me a free bump? And then you're like, (laughs) I got to get some more of that. And he's like, yeah, it's $1,000. And you're like, I'll pay it, right? So the credit card company is hoping you'll do the same thing. They're giving you a bump. You're going to take that bump. Now, you could walk away and be like, wow, that was really good. Or you could be like, I got to get more of that. And you start swiping and spending money you don't have. What they're hoping is when they get you with the bump, when they get you with the perks, when they get you with the free money, that you're going to do what most people do and you're going to misuse that motherfucker. And now you're going to be stuck paying 11, 12, 15% interest. No, dude. Do you know what the interest rates are in credit cards? I have no idea. I don't have one. They're 25 to 30%. Good God. You do not want to... You do not want to pay interest on a credit card. They're absurd. How is that even legal? I, I'm not sure. It's predatory for sure. And most people don't realize how bad that is. So yes, I think it's wise to mention the cost of this. It takes discipline. I've never made an interest payment on a credit card because every time I pay it, I've got all the apps hooked up to my phone. I pay it off immediately from my checking account. Guys, and we talk about this all the way around in this podcast. Your problem is... You say you're going to do a diet and then you go to the office on Monday morning and the boss brought in donuts for everybody or the new salesperson, me, is coming in and doing a pitch and there's just like, you're either going to bring in a veggie tray at 8 a.m. or donuts, right? So the salesman's bringing in donuts because it's what he's doing to be friendly and come in and you're going to be tested. If you want to be shredded, you can't pick that fucking donut up. (laughs) If you want free money, 
You cannot spend money you don't have because then there is no free money. Now they're taking your money at scale. Yes. So it's either you're going to take their free money or they're going to take your money in a ridiculous amount of interest. So it is a game of temptation, just like losing weight, just like anything else. But there is free money. It's just it's not free because they're using temptation instead of a percentage point or a payback or any of that. So that's what you have to be careful of. You do. And I um, let's see. Banks make banks make money off credit cards in two different ways. So one way is every time you swipe and you get cash back, they get a little bit, too. So you're both you and the oh, bank yep. make money off of every swipe. Yep. And then when you miss a payment or you're late and you pay interest, they make so much money. So as long as you pay it off and you have there's plenty of no fee credit cards out there with no minimums, no fees. And so I went out and got Every credit card out there with no fee, no minimum. There's bonuses too where you sign up where if you spend, some of them are easy. If you spend like $500 within the first few months, they'll give you 200 bucks. And I know most of you have a $500 a month car payment. Exactly. So there's so many ways to use it. And so there's so many bonuses too out there. So if you want to make a few extra hundred bucks just off a bonus, off of paying for your groceries over the next few months, it's out there. So do you have any like absolute these couple of credit card recommendations um or is there like a link like there is with the um uh cds where like hey these are the top credit cards yeah and i want to be careful i don't actually want to promote any one company so i just want to give people the knowledge and then you go find out what's best for you literally go on google and type in best cds that's fair and you'll find a bunch of articles that rank the top cds in the country from the highest yields go online type in best free credit cards, best bonuses, and it'll, all the research has been done for you. I just want to point people in the right direction yep. and empower them to make a good decision. I don't want to tell them which company or card is right for them. They can make that decision for themselves. I love it. Uh, so with this, do you have any like last takeaways or any points that you want to lean on? The takeaways start small. <clears throat> So we're saying if you if you can put away 10% of your income over your lifetime, you'll be financially stable. You'll have enough to take care of yourself and your family. You'll have a retirement fund. If 10% is too steep, start at 5%. If 5% is too steep, start at 2%. Put them into CDs, put them into savings. And if you don't have enough money to do that now, use a credit card wisely and take your cashback rewards that are free and put those into CDs, into savings accounts and start making money now. Everyone should be making money right now. The banks are preying off of us. We should be able to play the game too and make money as well. So what I'm saying is this is how the game is played. These are the rules. Now go play the game. And anyone can do it. You just nailed that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to drop the mic because I'm renting a studio for the first time. Uh, So here, Spokane Productions, guys, uh, if you have any needs in the area, great studio until the Healthy Wealthy People studio gets back up and running. Um, But last thing, um, every single time I have a guest in, I ask them, and you can have silence on the mic for a minute if you need it, but what does being a healthy, wealthy person mean to you and your family? I love that question. Uh, And that is a question I'm still trying to answer for myself. It's constantly changing. Um, But I think very similar, the principles that we taught today are small, steady, consistent principles that lead to financial health. And so for me, I try to do that in every area of my life. So in health, I try to find small, steady, not radical, not fad diets. I try to do something sustainable and consistent and steady that I can do every day for the rest of my life. Um, So I think that goes for spirituality, for, for health, for fitness, for wellness and finances. I think the same principle applies. So I... I don't know yet. I'm still figuring it out and I'm still working on those principles. I, I like the ones I found in finance. I'm looking at others in other areas of life, but I like finding sustainable ways to live life. To me, what it sounds like is being a healthy, wealthy person to you means doing what you can to get 1% better every day. Precise. I'm all about the 1%. I love the little percentage points here and there. It's what it's all about, baby. Yeah. My man, thank you for coming all the way from San Fran for dropping knowledge on people, for putting this information out there, for wanting to change the world. If there's one thing I know for sure, it's that you either already are or you are going to in a major way. I appreciate that, brother. It really means a lot. Much love. 
Much love. Thank you. For everyone, I'll see you right back here in two weeks for another episode of the Healthy Wealthy People podcast. Peace. All right, y'all. We have reached the inevitable end of today's episode. But before we go our separate ways, I just want to take this moment to say fucking thank you. Thank you for investing your listening time with me when there are literally millions of other artists whose content you could be consuming. Your support means more to me than I can effectively put into words, which is why I'm going to ask you for one favor before we put a bow up on this bitch. If you have found any value in the show, there are three free ways you can help us grow. One, follow and or subscribe so you never miss another episode. Two, rate the show so other listeners can see just how motherfucking good our content is. And three, take a screenshot of this episode, tag me at John Divine Inc., and share it with your followers so that they have the same access to information that you do. Now get out there and enjoy the pursuit of the healthiest, wealthiest, most authentic version of yourself, and I'll see you right back here in two weeks for another Healthy, Wealthy Wednesday.